It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Mets, your daily New York Mets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello to all you amazing Mets fans listening to Locked On Mets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. To get this show every day, subscribe wherever you get your podcast. You can also tell your smart device to play podcast Locked On Mets. On today's show, I want to talk about Francisco Lindor. The superstar shortstop is in the final year before he hits free agency, and the Cleveland Indians are not likely to give him that massive contract extension, making him a prime trade candidate. In the first half of the show, I want to go through the numbers and how impactful Lindor could be if the Mets were to trade for him. Then later on in the second half of the show, I'll talk about a couple packages the Mets could put together to entice the Indians and whether it is worth it to make a deal. Before we get to any of that, though, I'm your host, Ryan Finkelstein. If you want to find any of my work, follow me on Twitter, at Finkelstein Ryan. You can also find some of my writing about the Mets at MetsmerizeOnline.com. So let's start out talking about the defense because Francisco Lindor has been one of the best defensive shortstops in baseball since making his debut in 2015. Across his career, he's amassed 46 defensive runs saved. He has a 54 UZR, which is ultimate zone rating. Outs above average, became a metric in 2017. That's the stat cast metric you can find at MLB.com. I really do like this metric more than offensive runs saved and UZR. And he has graded out very well with 36 outs above average. And that's across three full seasons and this shortened 60 game schedule. Now this year, he was worth five outs above average. That was the 12th best mark among all players. And it was the third best mark among shortstops. Now, Andres Jimenez had the identical outs above average, but that was all together between his play at third base, second base, and shortstop. Then again, he also had less overall attempts than Lindor, as Lindor was an everyday player, and Jimenez, you know, split time. So, if I look straight defense, which player is better? I would actually say the younger Andres Jimenez is probably a better defensive shortstop than Lindor going forward, right? I mean, you got to grade this out over time. And if that's the eventual trade package, Jimenez for Lindor, maybe you are taking a slight tick down only because Jimenez was 21 years old and is really in his prime defensively. But Lindor has still been outstanding, and this year was outstanding. This is a two-time gold glove winner, so don't get me wrong. I'm not knocking Lindor. I'm just saying... You might not be making this trade strictly because of the defense, but the reason why you would be making a trade if it was Jimenez plus to get Lindor is because you know that Lindor is an all-around five-tool shortstop, and right now with Jimenez, you know the speed's there, you know the defense is there, you think the contact is there, but the rest of the time, you're not sure if he's going to become a five-tool player. Is Jimenez ever going to hit for power? 
Probably not. How consistent can he be offensively? Meanwhile, Lindor is a four-time All-Star who only did not make the All-Star team his rookie year, and then this year there was no All-Star team, although he had a down season. But still, a two-time Gold Glove winner, a two-time Silver Slugger. Across his career, he has a 285 batting average with a 346 on-base percentage and a 488 slugging percentage. That is good for an 833 OPS. His OPS plus across his career is 117. His weighted runs created plus across his career is 118. Again, league average on those two metrics is 100. So he has been above average offensively throughout his entire career while being a gold glove shortstop. All of that has allowed him to be outstanding when it comes to war. His war, according to Fangrass, is 28.9 across his career. According to Baseball Reference, it is 28.4. Now, his two monster seasons came in 2017 and 2018. And this is the player you hope you're trading for if you inquire Lindor. 33 home runs in 2017, 81 extra base hits, 89 RBIs, 15 stolen bases, and 99 runs scored. Now, these are just the counting stats. I didn't get into the average and all that for each specific season. You see his career slash line I just mentioned. So you know overall he's been a high average, high on base, solid slugging guy throughout his career. But just looking at these counting metrics. 2018, he was a 38 home run shortstop. That's hard to do. 82 extra base hits, 92 RBIs, 25 stolen bases. And he also led the American League that year with 129 runs scored. Now I mentioned the war already. He has been worth over 5 wins. Every full season he has played. His rookie year, he did not play a full season. Still had a war over four. In 2018, his best season that I just mentioned where he scored the 129 runs. His war was an impressive 7.8. That is a remarkable mark for him to have. And that tells you the type of potential this guy has. And on a down year, he's still putting up a war above four closer to five this is a player that if the Mets were to trade for him and sign him to an extension you think that his game would age very well could he stay at shortstop forever maybe not but you look at his ability to hit for power his ability to hit for average his athleticism while he might not have ever won an MVP this is the type of MVP-esque player that you bring in that transforms your ball club that makes you a winner every day. He's just one of those guys, a real face of the franchise that the Mets still haven't quite had. Conforto had a great season. Alonzo was great in 2019. But the all-around superstar has been something the Mets have really lacked since the early years of David Wright. And this would be a player that could assume that role immediately. Now, you might be a little bit concerned about his numbers this season because Everything was a bit down, and it was a shortened year that was weird for everyone, so it's hard to knock him too much. But this past season, Lindor hit 258 with a 335 on base percentage and a 415 slung percentage. His OPS was a very pedestrian and average 750 for the year. His weighted runs created plus was exactly 100, so that has him at a league average hitter. Still, with all of that being said, he scored 30 runs and he had 27 RBIs in the 60-game schedule. 
I went up and down the Mets roster. How many players do you think combined to produce 57 runs? There was three. Pete Alonso, Michael Conforto, and Dominic Smith were the only three Mets to combine to generate 57 runs this year. Now you look at the numbers and Brandon Nemo and Jeff McNeil had better offensive seasons and RBIs is not the best metric when you want to evaluate a single player because that's a team stat, obviously, and even runs for that matter. Having people drive you in, it's not a clean way to evaluate a player. But when I look at that, to me, he puts runs on the board. Like it or not, old school thinking probably, but still. In a year where he struggled, he still generated 57 runs. He's still the guy that a couple years ago led the American League with 129 runs scored, and he also had 92 RBIs. I think he's a guy that finds a way to put numbers on the board, and sometimes you have to go away from weighted runs created plus and all these other advanced metrics and just look at each individual game that these guys are playing and who is leaving an imprint. And Francisco Lindor, to me, is a player that always leaves an imprint. The question now is, what do you have to give up to get him, and is that worth it? I'll talk about that in just a minute. One reason to repair and maintain your cars is to save money that you can then use for other important things, like your mortgage or food. So why would you choose to spend 30%, 50%, maybe even 100% more for the exact same parts at a chain store or a new car dealership? RockAuto.com is a family business serving auto parts to customers online for 20 years. They have everything you can want from engine control modules to brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, even new carpet. The RockAuto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and then choose the brands, specifications, and prices you prefer. Go to RockAuto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Right locked on in there. How'd you hear about us, Box? So they know that we sent you. Amazing selection. Reliably low prices. All the parts your car will ever need. RockAuto.com A lot of people are comparing this situation with Francisco Lindor to Mookie Betts last year with the Red Sox. For whatever reason, Boston did not want to be repeat payers of the luxury tax, so they decided that they were going to move him, which was shocking. They had to find a team, though, that was willing to part with assets who could sign him long-term, and that kind of narrowed the field and eventually led them to trade Betts to the Dodgers. In this deal, the Dodgers gave up Alex Verdugo, who the Red Sox viewed as a direct replacement for Mookie Betts, a guy who had put up some pretty good numbers as a rookie, could slot right into right field and be their starting outfielder after they got rid of Betts. They also gave up Connor Wong and Jeter Downs. Now, Connor Wong has a career 851 OPS in the minor leagues. He's a catcher who has some versatility to play all over the place as a former shortstop. He was a third-round pick and was ranked as the 28th best prospect in the Dodgers system. Now, the Dodgers system is a lot better than other teams' farm systems, so that's a pretty decent prospect. Jeter Downs was the bigger name 
of the prospects that went to the Red Sox. He was ranked as the 86th best prospect by Baseball America coming into the 2020 season. MLB.com had him ranked at 44. Now, I read the scouting report on downs by Baseball America pre-2019. They knocked his defense slightly, saying that he might end up at second base or third, but raved about his hit tools. Now, the final aspect of that trade was the fact that David Price got moved as well, going to Los Angeles, but the Red Sox had to eat a lot of the money on his contract. I'm not quite sure if the Dodgers really valued Price at the reduced rate, or they were simply helping the Red Sox out by taking some money off their books by absorbing part of that contract. Overall, I'm going to just ignore Price in this deal and focus more on the prospect return that Betts got the Red Sox, which was those two pretty solid prospects and Alex Verdugo slated as the immediate replacement, right? One aspect of comparing these two is to acknowledge that Betts is a better player than Lindor, had a better resume, had an MVP, World Series, all that type of stuff. So Lindor likely won't net quite the same package as Betts, but it's a pretty decent jumping off point. Now, MLB.com's Anthony Castro-Vince wrote an article about the seven likeliest trade suitors for Lindor, and he had the Mets atop his list. Here's what he said. They certainly have pieces that would interest an Indians team in desperate need of offense. The Mets have several young shortstops, Ahmed Rosario, Andres Jimenez, and Ronnie Mauricio, who is their number one overall prospect per MLB pipeline. They also have a glut of corner infield outfield DH types, including Dominic Smith, Brandon Nimmo, and J.D. Davis. So if that is the framework we're working under here, right? If it is one of Ahmed Rosario, Andres Jimenez, or Ronnie Mauricio, plus one of Dominic Smith, Brandon Nemo, and J.D. Davis, I'm intrigued at the possibility of making a trade. Here's my thoughts on going through these guys, and I'll start with the shortstops. Ronnie Mauricio would be off-limits to me because you can't continually gut your farm system of top prospects. This is the best prospect you have. It doesn't necessarily mean that you expect Ronnie Mauricio to be your shortstop one day if you have Lindor locked in to a long-term contract, but I want Ronnie Mauricio in my farm system to maybe land another big fish later on, or if Lindor in a couple of years looks like he's aging a little bit and he can slide over to third base and the door is open for Mauricio, I want that possibility. His ceiling is so high. He just lost a year of his development. I don't want to trade Ronnie Mauricio right now for a player that's essentially a rental. Because even if the Mets are going to sign Lindor to that long-term contract extension, you are trading for one year of control. And that's the way you have to negotiate this. Now you look at the other two shortstops. Ahmed Rosario is the one I would get rid of first, right? I think Andres Jimenez showed his value defensively this year. I think, again, there's a little bit of unknown there. What can he grow into? He's still very young, had a really good first season, showed that he could play third base and second base and move around a little bit. So I would rather keep Andres Jimenez, but I believe he's the player that the Indians would want because I don't think they're that interested or they would be that interested in Ahmed Rosario because he's a little bit later on in his development. He's coming off a down year. He hasn't quite lived up to that potential, even though he's still very young. 
I think they want a player that can slot in, especially for a small market team like the Indians. They would see Andres Jimenez as a guy they could start at shortstop opening day next year and have him under control for the next five years. Cheap. That's something that they would value. So I believe that is the shortstop that would most likely be moved. Now, who do you pair Jimenez with? Personally, of course, I would say J.D. Davis. If you tell me right now Jimenez and Davis for Lindor, sign me up right now, hands down. I'm doing it. I don't think the Indians would make that trade because I don't know if the Indians would value J.D. Davis's bat enough to ignore his deficiencies with the glove. So then the question is, do you have to throw in another prospect? And is it worth it, again, to continue to gut your farm system of assets to acquire a position that you technically have locked down between Rosario and Jimenez and Mauricio? Like, they don't need to be trading for a shortstop as much as they would need to be trading for a center fielder, potentially. So, if it's Davis and Jimenez, I'm all for it. If it's Davis and Jimenez plus a prospect... Not quite sure. It depends on who the prospect is. Then you look at the other two names that were mentioned here. Dominic Smith or Brandon Nimmo. And I know there's some Mets fans that would completely disagree. Because I know there is some fans that look at Brandon Nimmo. And they think overall, because he's been successful for a little bit longer, he is more valuable than Dominic Smith. I believe Dominic Smith showed this year his true colors. Last year, he was great too in the first half of the season before he got hurt. I think Dominic Smith is the best first baseman on the Mets right now. I know that Pete Alonso stands are out there and are not happy with me saying that. And I think having both of them is great value for the Mets moving forward with the DH. It gives them flexibility also, it's almost like the Ike Davis-Lucas Duda conversation from five years ago, but on complete steroids because these guys are both way better, okay? Still, I don't want to give up Dominic Smith yet. I really like what I saw. I think he could be the answer at first base for the next decade. His ability to be really good defensively and being an all-around hitter who can hit for contact and power and might not go through these extended slumps that Alonzo will, I see Dominic Smith as the first baseman of the future and Pete Alonso as the DH of the future. So that brings me back to the Brandon Nimmo aspect here. Would I trade Brandon Nimmo and Andres Jimenez? Here's why you do it. Nimmo right now is playing out of position in center field. I think the Mets are best suited to have Jeff McNeil in left and Michael Conforto in right moving forward. I think those are the positions that fit their skill sets the best. You need a center fielder, and I think you need a really good defensive center fielder to pair with those other two guys in the corners, and Brandon Nimmo just isn't it defensively. So you capitalize on his value and knowing that you're either going to pay Nemo or Conforto. I'd rather see the Mets sign Conforto to the extension. This is the time where you can capitalize on Nemo's value, and if you can get this done by keeping Ronnie Mauricio your top prospect overall right now. You still hang on to Ahmed Rosario as a guy that can maybe be included in a different trade to net you pitching or a center fielder or a guy you can try in center field and might be the answer if he's good out there. We still don't know. I believe his athleticism will profile in center field 
and maybe that solves all your problems, but you're getting a guy in Lindor that has the potential to be an MVP-type player at a premium position. He solidifies your infield defense. He's a switch hitter. They're right in the middle or at the top of your lineup. And he's a guy who has been on a World Series team, been around a lot of winning. I think he's the type of player that you make a trade like this for to take your team to the next level. It would suck to no longer have Brandon Nimmo and Andres Jimenez, some fan favorites on your team anymore, but you got to give to get. And this is a trade the Mets could potentially swing if the Indians were interested. That does not harm your farm system, which still needs to recover from the past few years of Bernie Van Wagenen. So Jimenez, you capitalize on a really good rookie year showing. Nimmo, he's been great for you. At one point, you thought Brandon Nimmo wasn't even going to be a major league caliber player. He turned himself into a very good starter. You throw him out there in Cleveland in left field, and he's going to be awesome. But Lindor can do more for you. He's going to help you win now. He's going to help you win into the future. He's going to clean up some of the oversaturation you have at some positions. Now you get rid of one corner outfitter. You identify you have to fill the hole in center field. Maybe that's Rosario. Maybe that's somebody else. Maybe that's another trade or a free agent signing. But Lindor is the type of player that takes you to the next level. And I think whoever the new GM is, assuming Brody is let go, that's a move they should really consider because it could really help the Mets in 2021. Anyway, that'll be all for today's edition of Locked on Mets. As always, thank you for listening. Remember to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts. You can also always tell your smart device to play podcast Locked on Mets. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked on Podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. 